There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce. We are live here at Rivers Casino in Philadelphia. The Flyers are coming off a really rough road trip. They have just three games left before that March 3rd trade deadline, Joe. So we're going to look at the good and the bad from the road trip, probably mostly bad. And then we're going to look at our five most likely trade candidates for the Flyers in our eyes. So a lot to talk about, a lot to get into. Joe, the Flyers went 1-3-0 on that road trip, a couple of lopsided losses, and they lost Travis Konechny to an upper body injury. So it was a tough trip, and the Flyers are running out of time here before this trade deadline. I think everyone knows they are going to be sellers come the trading period. What went wrong on the road trip, Joe? What was some of the biggest negatives that, uh, that you saw? Well, here's the thing. There's such a fine line between the road trip being bad and salvageable. And that fine line really came down to Connor McDavid in the third period last night because the Flyers looked like they were had a great chance to win that game. And if they win that game and all of a sudden you come back with two and two and you salvage what started awful with Seattle and Vancouver and then you get wins over Calgary and Edmonton. I think you come back from that road trip with a whole different feel than the one that you have now. And the one that you have now is we played, everyone said that was the worst game of the year, the one in Seattle. Um, Vancouver played better. The score didn't look better. You lose Travis Konechny. um, And then the Edmonton game, Discipline becomes a problem, which was the everyone's main focus heading into the Edmonton game because everyone knows you can't put that Edmonton team in the star power that they have on the power play. The Flyers did it four times last night, and they scored two power play goals. Um, but really at inter-opportune times, I mean, the four-minute uh, penalty on Lixell last night really hurts. Um, obviously with them being able to score on the first part of it, continue the power play, you really put yourself up against it with those guys. And, and really, when you look at the two games against Edmonton in the last two weeks, I feel like it was a matter of time, like a ticking time bomb, that Connor McDavid was going to have the kind of period that he had in the third period last night with the assist and the, and the, and what ends up being the two goals with the empty netter. Um, So really, I think that's what concerns me is that the main focus came back to be what really did them in in the end, at least in last night's game. And then, you know, the lull in effort to start the trip when you had lost to Seattle in your home ice the previous game, that to me was concerning. And 
you know, you you just breakdowns, turnovers, like it, things things that um, I mean, you know, would drive this drive this coach crazy, uh, and then he kind of brings them back around for the Calgary game. They get that win. Then the first two periods last night, they, they show fight. And I mean, what are you going to do? Connor McDavid does that to every team in the league, but um, I would say the, the careless sort of play with the puck and the, uh, I mean, the discipline last night, those are the two concerns for me the the two takeaways when you look at this road trip as a whole it got off on such a bad foot with that game in seattle and then suddenly everything's uphill from there like you're just trying to what you said joe salvage the road trip and the game against the oilers i I thought it was a pretty commendable effort through the first two periods edmonton's the most lethal team offensively in the entire league they had the two best players in the world and that team had only 10 shots through the first two periods I did feel like they looked a little bit disinterested in the first half of that game last night. Yeah. I mean, um, the first Flyers goal, I mean, to me, it looked like Leon Dreisaitl just stopped playing on that play, yeah. and it and it led to the wraparound goal. I mean, so a little bit of that, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's I, I do. You have to give the Flyers credit to hold that team to that many shots. And really, I think in the first period, there was only one attempted shot between McDavid and Dreisaitl. And that was like a deflected shot that then like tipped Carter Hart's glove and went out of play. So it really wasn't a. The opportunity was high leverage, but once you get once a defenseman gets a stick on it, I mean, you didn't really have a threat from those two. And any period you can get through without a threat from those two guys is a good thing. But, I mean, obviously, like we said, that was just – it was waiting and it was lurking, and you can't give those guys too many opportunities. And the stark contrast from the previous matchup with Edmonton was that the Flyers actually stayed out of the box completely, didn't give them one power play opportunity, which gave them a real chance to win, and they did a 2-1 shootout victory at the Wells Fargo Center 12 days ago this time. It's tough to do that twice. It's it, I was saying it before that it, it's it's one thing to keep Edmonton in check once. It's another thing to do it two times. They were bound to go on some power plays and they were bound to score. And what made it even taller of an order for the Flyers is that they didn't have Travis Konechny. And to me, that's the biggest negative on the trip, Joe, is that Konechny just looks like he's going to go on another run. Another one of those streaks where he's all over the place offensively and he's looking like a star player. And then he gets hurt in the Flames game and he comes home. He's going to get reevaluate, reevaluated here in Philadelphia. It's an upper body injury. We'll see how serious it is in a couple of days. But for a team that struggles to score and feeds off his energy, to me, that was the biggest negative is that you come home limping and it's your best player. And the Flyers just can't afford to lose Travis Kenke for any period of time. They need his offense. Uh, they need his energy. And I think they really felt that in the Edmonton game without Konechny. He's a he's now an all-situation guy. He kills penalties, and maybe he gets you another goal there, and suddenly you have a little more breathing room rather than a 2-1 lead uh, where you're just kind of clinging to it. So losing Konechny hurts, and now the Flyers are going to see when they can get him back and how they respond. They have a back-to-back coming up here, Joe. Montreal on Friday at home, and then New Jersey Saturday on the road. Uh, what are you looking to see from them 
uh, in those two games. And if you had a positive over the road trip, if you saw a silver lining, what was it? Well, I mean, to me, the silver lining is how they came out in the Calgary game. I mean, they really they they answered the bell. Um, I mean, Sam Harrison, I don't know how you could say anything but positive about him. Now, the Flyers really had some lapses in that game, that Calgary game defensively, and Harrison covered up for a lot of them. Um, they there was just far too many odd man rushes and things, and I mean, guys like Huberto, Kadri. I mean, you, the, they messed around a little bit too much with some of the high end talent on Calgary, and because of Airson and because of some missed shots, they got away with it in that game. But really, like they responded, and they it was a hard fought win. Calgary comes back to tie the game, and then they. Tortorella calls the timeout and then Allison gets the the a really like a hard working goal. And they I think John Tortorella called it. It was a hard fought win for them. And considering how the road trip started, hard fought win would have been one of the last things I would have expected from that Calgary game. Yeah. So that to me was the positive, And that was the silver lining from the road trip is that the response factor was there. And I know Konechny got the the scoring started in that game, but he missed a, a decent he missed crunch time in that game, and they were still able to do it without him. So that would be my silver lining for the trip overall. It at least got better, and that that was a I thought a very big positive that it got better. They were way more competitive in the final two games against a couple of good teams, teams that are fighting for the playoffs. And uh, Joe, in my mind. One of the biggest silver linings is Samuel Harrison. It, it like again continues to take advantage of the opportunity when he gets in net. He's six and zero, and he looks really good. Now it is incredibly early. I saw Keith Jones has some great perspective on how early it can be when you're judging a goaltender in his career. Uh, he was excellent on post game live about that. Very good perspective that made me think. Okay, let's see a little bit more from Samuel Erson before we deem him a Vesna winner or anything like that. But when teams are rebuilding, sometimes they, you know, they can have all sorts of holes. And one of the biggest holes can be in net. And the Flyers have two young goalies right now in net at the most important position of the game. And that, to me, is a couple important ingredients to have if you're looking to rebuild a team. 23-year-old Sam Harrison, who looks like he could be something. And 24-year-old Carter Hart, who's having a bounce back here. So the Flyers at least have that going for them in net. They'll have good decisions moving forward in net. Uh, so I think that's a major, major silver lining here moving forward and going into the offseason. Yeah. And, and you know, with w- when you look at the goaltending situation, I mean, this franchise alone has had a few guys where people jump to this is our guy. This is our guy. My entire lifetime since Ron Hextall franchise goaltender has been this thing that's eluded this franchise. Yeah. It seems like they have that now with Carter Hart. Um, but. In the past, there's been names of guys where maybe this is the guy. Maybe this is the guy. Um, Antero Nidamaki is the name that comes to mind. Roman Chekmanik is the name that comes to mind. Now, Sergei Bobrovsky could have gone on to be that, but in in the end, the Flyers went with Ilya Brizgalov as a free agent signing, and Bobrovsky's agent kind of forced the Flyers' hand to get him out of here. Um, So that one they may have identified. We don't ever know what his career in Philadelphia would have been like if he stayed here, but that's one of those things where you you definitely, especially with this franchise, you don't want to be saying, "Okay, that's our guy." After six games, that said, what is it? Eight goalies in history have started six zero and zero. 
I think it was something and, around there. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Martin Jones, that's I also well. not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Martin Jones has some playoff runs under yeah. his belt earlier in his career. So, yeah, it's not. It's definitely not something to dismiss totally, but it's also not something to say, okay, it doesn't matter how we play. This guy's going to back us up because that's not always going to be the case. And, you know, you don't, a guy's career isn't made off of six regular season games, uh, separated by a stint in the minors. And let's not all, let's not forget his first game started with him getting pulled. Yeah. And then Carter Hart got hurt. He comes back in and goes on this run. So we haven't we have seen a blip. It was his first game, but still, it's not like this has been um, lights out goaltending completely the whole time he's been up. But it has been impressive. Exactly, and I would think the Flyers could be in a mess if they didn't have any type of semblance of a tandem in net uh, right now. If they were using a couple of veteran guys that are on the final year of a deal. And I'd be like, wow, like not only are they rebuilding, but they don't have any stability in that. It's looking like they have two young goalies that had potential and Carter Hart bouncing back, Sam Harrison showing something. Uh, we'll see, you know, where it goes heading into the off season with the future. Uh, but I think those two guys are going to keep them in most games the rest of the way. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Well, Joe, let's get into the trade topic. Uh, we're going to look at five candidates, guys that we think are most likely to be moved, starting with one to five. I would be stunned if the Flyers aren't selling off pieces. Now, I don't know how many moves they're going to make. I don't think it's going to be a real big-time blow-up at the deadline. I think maybe some louder moves could come in the summer once you have a little more flexibility to move guys and you're trying to reshape your roster probably a little bit more. And contending teams are probably looking to do more. Yeah, I think contending teams at the deadline aren't looking to subtract a ton. Typically, they want to add without giving up too much because they like their team, but they want to make it better. But we'll see what the Flyers do. They definitely have some candidates that uh, should be moved and probably will be moved. Joe, in your eyes, who is the most likely guy on this roster to be moved come March 3rd? Yeah, I think we're going to agree on this one. It has to be James Van Riemsdyk. I mean, last year of his contract, which is attractive to suitors, um, he can help teams power plays, which you can never have enough help on a power play for a contending team. He's a guy that's a net front presence. Um, and he's not really shown it this year, but we know he has the potential to go on runs of goal scoring. He's a streaky player. So I think that to me is something that any of these teams out there will be looking at. And because of his salary, I, I don't think you're going to have to give up a ton for him. It's probably a fourth or later round pick, you would think. Um, so to me, that's a small price to pay for a guy who can really help your power play and, and be a disruptive presence in front of the other team's net, um, especially if you have – defensemen that are active in the in quarterbacking power plays and playing you know getting involved offensively I think that that JVR is an ideal fit for any team like that I agree Joe expiring contract as you mentioned he's making seven million uh, that's his cap hit right now I think the Flyers are probably going to have to eat some of that which could help them get a decent return I think they can maybe look for a third round pick something around there um, and I think there's a lot to like with James Van Reems. Like I really do over 70 games of playoff experience. Uh, he could jump 
probably right onto a top unit power play and help you there. And he's a pro. He is a real pro. So teams are going to know what they're getting with this guy. Um, a guy that's been there. Uh, he's, he's scored 30 plus goals twice has almost had four 30 goal seasons. If you look back on his resume and, um, I would be stunned if he's still here after March 3rd. It just seems like the most likely guy to move. Um, and his time here in Philadelphia, the reunion really flew by. Five-year deal, a lot of it was broken up because of the COVID seasons and what that did in terms of shortening years and throwing things out of whack. Uh, but five-year contract went fast, and I think the Flyers are obviously very much in transition and ready to move on from JVR, who's 33 years old and um, unfortunately – is only going to have one playoff run here in this reunion, which is pretty hard to believe. I think when he signed here, he envisioned more more cracks at it. Just didn't get it. I think he's going to have a good chance to go somewhere and, and possibly win. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, and, you know, this is another guy, too, where teams will look. And this is a player who has delivered in the playoffs in the past. He delivered in his first stint with the Flyers, um, played in the playoffs with Toronto. So, like you said, experience, 70 games of playoff experience is nothing to sneeze at. So, and and particularly if you're a young team heading into the playoffs, you'd like to add a guy that can that can that has that kind of experience in the playoffs to kind of help along some of the younger players who may be experiencing experiencing it for you know the first time or very early in their career in terms of playoff experience because it's uh, quite different than a regular season. Opioid addiction is a national public health crisis. The Someone You Know podcast from the Independence Blue Cross Foundation offers inspiring stories that challenge stigma, offer hope, and humanizes the disease of addiction. Download the new season three of Someone You Know on all major podcast platforms. Joe, number two, most likely guy after JVR to be moved. Who is it? To me, uh, Nick Sealer is number yeah. two. Um, there's a number of reasons for this. He's really shown he's a reliable piece that can bring some offense, but he's very responsible defensively. And he makes, I mean, in the hockey world, he makes no money. Yeah. And he can really provide depth to a team who already has their top top pair defense set, probably their second pair defense set. And they need stability on the the down the lineup a little bit. This is a guy who you can move in there, and then if something happens, an injury, anything like that, he can slide up the lineup because he's played up the lineup here. So I think that's an ide- another ideal fit. And really, you don't have to worry about how it affects your cap. Um, and this is a guy who's almost thirty years old. It's not like you're getting a super inexperienced 21 year old who doesn't know he's been around the block. He's been, he's dealt with adversity, the back and forth from the minor leagues and all this kind of stuff. Anybody that's, that's in his position, that's 29 has dealt with a lot in their career and, and had a lot of people doubt them and is always motivated to prove people wrong. And I think that's a big, a good fit. And you combine that with the salary and I don't, you can't beat getting him for a depth piece for a contending team. I have Nick Sealer at number two as well for so many of those reasons. The Flyers love him. They really like him. John Tortorella thinks very highly of him. Uh, Chuck Fletcher and Brent Flair, the general manager and assistant general manager of the Flyers, they have a track record with him going back to Minnesota. They they view him very highly, and so does the locker room. And I think Flyers fans, a lot of them kind of scoff at, oh, Nick Sealer is just a seventh defenseman. But those guys are valuable. <laughs> they are valuable players. 
one, he's not really a seventh anymore. He's played every single day. He's more of a five or a six right now. And again, depth is gold on the back end for contending teams. And he is just a quality individual. He'll fight for guys, literally drop the gloves and fight to stand up for teammates. He plays the right way. He does a lot of the little things. He's having a career year and he is very cheap. He's making just $750,000 this year in base salary. His cap hit is $775,000. And the second year of his deal, he's on the first of a two-year deal right now at the Flyers. The second year is a two-way contract, which could be really attractive to teams. Um, so I think the Flyers are going to have some suitors. I don't think they want to rush to give him up. But, I mean, if teams come knocking and really want him, I think the Flyers have to really consider it. It's a tough decision because he's well-liked and he's – He's done really good things here in this season, but the Flyers have some prospects on the back end. They need to get younger. They need to clear, um, you know, some cap. Uh, obviously, it's not clearing much with Nick Sealer because he's so cheap. But uh, if, if I mean, teams come up and they maybe offer a second or third round pick, I think the Flyers, or maybe even a prospect, who knows? I think the Flyers really have to make a tough decision and and part ways. Uh, you know, you have to make these calls when you're in the position the Flyers are in. I think Sealer is going to have some suitors. Yeah, and and he's not a make or break player. No, that's going to determine, you know, by himself the the your place in the standings. So yeah. th- it's a player that while you like him and there's good reason to, you can't um, you, you can't get stingy with a player like Sealer because, I mean, I'm not trying to discredit the guy, but there's. 50 Nick Sealers. No, you know are. what I mean? There's exactly there's more Nick Sealers than there are the guys that are up the lineup more. And and that's why you can't be stingy with it. Exactly. Because and- a team could just one of the teams that's suiting for him, they can go to other teams and find guys like Nick Sealer. Yeah. And that's where you really have to take advantage of the offer that's presented to you. Exactly. And I think the biggest thing is his his contract is just so cheap. Uh, you can probably find a lot of these guys, but they're probably making a little more money than he is. Like even Justin Braun, who's been a healthy scratch the majority of the year, he's making a million. Um, so he's not as cheap as Nick Sealer. Um, so the Flyers, yeah, I think they're going to have to think long and hard about it. If if he's not moved, I think two things will be in pl- for the for the reason of that. It'll be one, they just they didn't think the value was good enough in the return, or two, they think maybe they can win a little bit next year, and maybe they want him a part of it. Uh, John Torrell has been very honest about how long this is going to take, and I think everyone can agree with that. But perhaps maybe there is some reason to believe in-house that the Flyers think they can be a lot more competitive than next year, and maybe they'll have a team that's starting to push towards a playoff spot, and they want Nick Sealer apart. But those are the only reasons why I think he uh, will still be here. Joe, number three, who do you have? Um, number three, I'm going to say Ivan Provorov. I, I, that may surprise that I have him that high, but here's my thing. Ivan Provorov to me is a guy that you can get a decent return for. It's not like dump him for whatever you can get. It's a a guy you can trade. He can play high in the lineup. And quite frankly, he seems like a player that could benefit from a fresh start. Um, he's kind of had to change his game a number of times here in, in early in his career with the Flyers. Um, can he quarterback the power play? Can he not quarterback the power play? Who is the ideal partner for him? And this year, playing with all different people, um, I don't know. It, it, it feels like a guy that could benefit from a fresh start. Um, and quite frankly, the Flyers could. The Flyers don't need to trade him. 
So they could ask for a lot and kind of sit back and say, if somebody's going to give this up, we'll take it. But if not, we can keep Ivan Provorov. He's a young player. We He's a reliable player. And quite frankly, his recent play, I think, is some of his best of the season. Um, particularly, uh, I mean, early last night's game, he was very good against the, you know, some of the top players for Edmonton last night, um, sticking uh, the the wraparound by McDavid early in the game comes to mind where he he was right with them all the way around the net and didn't let him kind of penetrate to the blue. And, you know, that's some of his best work. And to me, see if you, see what you can get because I'm not sure Ivan Provorov is in his prime years when this team's ready to contend again. So don't be in a rush to trade him, but if you're looking for a return, I think he might get you the most of anybody on this roster that you're looking to trade at this point in time. I think the Flyers are in a spot where they're going to listen on just about anybody. They might not be shopping everyone, but they will certainly listen. And if it's not now that they trade Ivan Provorov, I do think there's eventually going to be a point in time where they believe it's time to part ways. Fresh start for Ivan Provorov elsewhere, and the Flyers obviously could get a really good return for him. I'm with you, Joe. I don't think they're going to rush to move him. They're going to ask for a lot because there's a lot there. Um, former first-round pick and a guy that plays big, big minutes, never misses games. I think he's been really quietly effective this year defensively with those subtle little things that he does that don't exactly sh- you know show up on the score sheet. Um, so I'm not sure if it's going to happen at the deadline, but I do think over the summer, uh, you know, it could be a, a time where they – they finally make, you know, pull the trigger. And one thing to consider is Cam York's a lefty shot defenseman. And Flyers might believe he's a top pair guy. And Ivan Provrov's also a lefty shot defenseman, top pair guy. Uh, maybe that could clear the you know way for York to take on that top pair. And then they, they start looking for his partner on the right side. Um, not saying it's going to happen like that. Right. But I it mean, could be and, the thing. And York has looked like a top pair guy in his recent yeah. games. And, you know, the other thing with Provorov is I'd be curious to see him go to a team that has a high in the lineup guys on their D pairs already. And maybe he plays a little less minutes and that ups his another part of his game because he's not being relied on to play the amount of minutes that he's been re- relied on. Quite frankly, almost every year he's been here. Oh. Um, so, you know, that that's another interesting aspect to it. Indeed. I have Patrick Brown, obviously not as big of a name as Ivan Provorov. Wouldn't be a wouldn't be a massive trade if the Flyers do it. Uh, I think it's just obvious why they might. He's on an expiring contract. Uh, depth center could probably get them a real low round pick, uh, but he's going to be a UFA after this year, and I'm not sure the Flyers are going to re-sign him. Uh, so you might as well get something for him. And some teams I think could be interested. He's uh, he tough tough guy, wins defensive zone faceoffs, he can kill penalties. And he definitely would be a good locker room guy. I believe he was a captain um, for the Checkers, I think, in 2018-19. They won the Calder Cup. Um, so he's got leadership qualities and just a good a good individual that I think can come into a locker room. He could probably be a healthy scratch throughout a playoff run, and he'll still be a good good teammate. And if you call his number, he'll be able to go in there and give you 8 to 10 minutes, win some faceoffs. Um, so I would not be surprised if Patrick Brown is moved at the deadline. That's my pick for my number three. Yeah, and well, 
that moves us right to number four because my number four is Patrick Brown. And there we go. A lot of the reasons you said a veteran presence. And quite frankly, if you've watched his play this year, a lot of times the line that Brown's been on, whether it been the third or the fourth line, has been the Flyers' best line in a lot of games. That's not a good thing for the Flyers, but it's a good thing for Brown and his ability to center a line that doesn't possess a ton of offensive skill, but they're still generating offense. Uh, he's played with Nick Delorier a lot this year, and it, those guys are always noticeable in these games. And I'm not just saying they're noticeable because they're laying hits on somebody or they're you know, being responsible defensively. They've generated some offense. Yeah. And the he's a like a high motor guy you never see him you're never asking where is patrick brown in a game and i think that's always something a team looks for to have lower in their lineup depth and in the playoffs i mean inevitably playoff games some of them go into overtime they go into multiple overtimes and you need guys that aren't going to stop and Patrick Brown will be one of those guys. And a lot of times in the playoffs, you see those sort of lower in the lineup depth guys that emerge in a game. And I'm not saying they emerge as a star of a series, but they emerge as, you know, uh, a guy that wins you a tough, you know, swing game in a series ends up being a guy like Patrick Brown. And he actually has a little bit of playoff experience uh, with Vegas. He actually scored a couple of playoff goals. Uh, so he's got some experience there. Um, and I agree, Joe. He, he seems like he's always noticeable just with how hard he plays. And it's exactly what you want in a fourth-line center. Win faceoffs, help you on at least one of your special teams, and play hard. And I think Patrick Brown very much does that. Joe, I'm going a different route. I have Tony D'Angelo at number four. I'm not definitely sure the Flyers are ready to part ways with him. There's not, I don't think a real rush or need to. He's on the first year of a two-year deal with the Flyers, making $5 million per season. But the Flyers do have a ton of money committed on defense. And if they want to clear a cap for the offseason, I think D'Angelo is a possibility because he is making $5 million. And I think there's a lot to like. He He's leading the Flyers' defense in points and goals. He's a puck mover. He can play on the power play. And he had a great year the previous season with Carolina, a playoff team that was contending for a cup. And he did all the right things. He was a good teammate from all accounts um, and had a great year there. So I think some teams will be interested. And I think the Flyers should be open to listening um, because you have to wonder if he's going to be here when they're contending again. So good chance he might not be. And they do have some depth, some puck movers on the back end that are younger that eventually I think could play a role that Tony D'Angelo plays. Uh, so I think they're going to listen on Tony D'Angelo. And I do think teams will like him. and. Credit to Tony D'Angelo. I think he's been a really good teammate this year. I've heard nothing but good things. When I've talked to him in the locker room, he's been an accountable guy all year. Uh, teammates seem to like him. I think he's really I, – I do think he's turned a corner from from his earlier days, obviously where he, um, a lot of things happened and people really wondered if he would ever play again in the league. I think he's a good guy that uh, – I think a lot of teams would welcome uh, in their in their locker room for a playoff run. Yeah, and if we as we move to number five, D'Angelo is going to be my number five. Yeah. And I know he's making money and he's a little bit of term, but it's a short deal. Yeah. It's not like somebody's signing up for five more years uh, at five million per or anything like that. And again, if we're talking about Cam York as your top power play guy, a top pair guy, 
if D'Angelo's not your quarterback for your top power play, it's probably not a good fit for him. I mean, he, he a team that's going to have him, they're probably going to have him in that role. Yeah. And if the Flyers want York to play that role, then that could make D'Angelo um, expendable. Yeah. And, you know, that's not a team that want, is going into the playoffs that doesn't like their power play. He can totally change their whole power play. And particularly a team that doesn't have to rely on him being great defensively because I think we all know what D'Angelo is. We know he he's good on defense sometimes. He has lapses some other times. He generally is always good at generating offense. Yeah. And he's not afraid to do it. Um so that's I I think it's and I do think with there only being one more additional year, that's an attractive it's a it's a short deal. Um and I think he can really help you know, and, and and the the stuff you brought up about him being a good teammate and kind of turning a corner, I think other teams noticed that. I mean, it, he had his issues in New York, and when things happen in New York, everyone notice yeah. notices. So, I think that's what a lot of people would a lot of people would associate D'Angelo with the New York years as opposed to the one year he played for Carolina, which really was his best year as a player. I still think people would go back to the New York year. And then if you couple the New York years with what he's done this year, you can kind of see the turning the corner and that he's, you know, got that side of his game where he can reshape a power play that might be struggling. And Travis Sanheim's new deal kicks in next year and they're paying him good money. And I think eventually they're going to want him on a power play too, uh, to show his offensive side and really play in all situations, earn the money that he's making. So, you have some options there for power play guys. And like you said, Joe, they didn't commit a lot of years to Tony D'Angelo. And I think that was, there was a purpose behind that. Uh, they wanted to, to have the flexibility with just two years where, you know, they're not committing uh long-term to him just yet. If, if he came in here and knocked the door down and looked like a stud, then they could, you know, resign him. Or if they realize they, they need to reshape things on the back end and continue to think about the future, they could let him walk or potentially move him. Catch all the sports action and more at Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Whether it's the money line or the pass line, there's something for everyone, including a great sports book. Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Philly loves a winner. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So, Joe, you went with D'Angelo at number five, a real good one. For me, I, I have two guys at number five. I'm going to say Ivan Provrov's 5A, Kevin Hayes 5B. I, I don't think either of those two are going to get moved. If I had to pick one that I would predict get moved, it would be Provorov. Um, but there's been some buzz about those two guys. They, they they make a lot of money. Kevin Hayes is one of the team's highest paid fours. Provorov, highest paid defenseman. And the Flyers are very much in transition. They don't know when they're going to contend again. They're looking to get younger. They're looking to clear cap. Uh, and, and potentially, you know, that would require moving some of your better players that are getting a little bit up there in age and make a lot of money. Um, I still think Kevin Hayes can be a part of this moving forward. I think he's very much in his prime, a 30-year-old center in his prime. Um, but the biggest thing will dictate where the Flyers are, you know, come next year and the following year as he gets older and obviously as he makes a lot of money. Uh, but if they can contend or at least start making strides next year or the following year, I just don't know why Kevin Hayes can't definitely be a part of this. Uh, but I think they're going to have some guys – 
that are going to be calling on both those players. And I think they're going to be willing to listen. They have to be. Well, so I, I should say, if somebody is calling and willing to take Hayes' contract in full, which is highly doubtful, yeah, uh, that would immediately vault him to number one to me. But I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, you know, we've seen him have differences with the coach this year yep. a number of times. And, you know, he hasn't hidden the fact that he wasn't happy about it. He didn't, you know, a, a lot of times that a guy gets benched and then they're asked about it, they – you know, try to say all the right things. I don't feel like he did that. He said he didn't agree with it and, you know, basically said, well, he's the coach. Yeah. Uh, so when you couple that with the salary and the, I, the flyers, I think would definitely be listening on him. Um, it's kind of hard to shop. Hey, we have this guy that's making seven and a half million dollars a year and he's got term left on his deal. Do you want to take him from us? That's not really a, a, a shop. It's you're going to have to take some of that. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I would, I would consider him on the outskirts and the other guy would, you know, I don't think we've mentioned because there's not going to be really a return is Justin Braun. Yeah. If got, teams are looking for depth. I mean, last year, the Rangers traded for him. He didn't even play some of the playoff games. Yeah. And I think it would be the same kind of situation this year. It'd be a sort of emergency depth piece that has playoff experience and a low number that he's making. Um, but really, I, if you get anything for Braun this year and he's not playing a lot, so yeah would be a bonus. And I think that's why we didn't include him on his list because you're not really getting anything for him um, in the situation this year, as opposed to last year when they were able to get a higher round pick for him. Last season, they had so much instability on the de defense that Justin Braun was playing top pair minutes and they were able to sell him real high to teams. They got a third round pick for him because they, they were able to say this guy's playing 20 minutes a game, rich with playoff experience can help you this year. It's tough to sell him high when he's not playing. And with Kevin Hayes, a, a reason you probably want to listen on him and perhaps the Flyers might look to move him is that he's having a career year. Um, a, a year after a year where that was ravaged by injuries for him and and, and personal uh, things off the ice. Uh, he's having a career year and he's 30 years old and he's a six foot five center. So the Flyers could probably sell him pretty high. Of course, the contract will be tough uh, given the money that he makes. Um but I think that'll be a tough decision for the Flyers. I think they will certainly listen in on him. Um, and I think a big thing is his relationship with John Tortorella. I think Tortorella and Hayes both respect each other, but they have certainly butted heads. And you can tell Tortorella isn't exactly fond of some of the aspects of Hayes' game. And if they're really thinking future, 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 wouldn't it surprise me if they, you know, Tortorella gets in management's ear and says, I'm not sure if this guy is really going to be a part of it. And uh, and Kevin Hayes, I think, knows he's not getting younger. And he, these are the best years of his life and his career. I think he'd be open to going somewhere, too. As much as he likes Philadelphia, I think he really would be open to playing in the playoffs again and, and seeing if uh, he can help a team that's ready to win now. I, I think there might be a little bit of that at play with D'Angelo, too, yeah. with the coach. And, you know, we've seen issues with him, you know, a couple times this year with him. And you can see why. I mean, there's breakdowns in the defensive zone sometimes there just is and we all know that but while we all know it all coaches are just aren't going to put up with it and Tortorella doesn't seem like a guy that loves that so much and uh, although he did tweak his system now he wants a defenseman up in you know in the offense 
you know, pushing the offense. So D'Angelo is that kind of player. I'm just saying that could be a factor with D'Angelo too, as the deadline approaches is that, you know, they haven't seen eye to eye um, Tony and the coach this year at, at a number of different occasions. Definitely something to keep an eye on. And I think just about everything is going to be on the table for the Flyers. That's what should make this trade deadline interesting. We'll have it all covered here on the Flyers Talk podcast. Two games coming up this weekend, Montreal at home, Jersey on the road. Both games on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Joe Fordyce right here. We'll have Flyers pre and post game live for you. Joe, thanks so much. Great seeing you. Great chatting with you. We look forward to covering the remaining games before the deadline and all the action that will come with it. A big thank you to Tom Finer, our video producer and guru, and Ben Barry, our podcast producer and guru, and Flyers fans. Of course, as always, thank you so much for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen, and we can't wait to talk to you next time. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.